You're listening to the New Gen Sermon Podcast. So we're going to continue having a look at uh, the book of Hebrews. I'm hoping to uh, wrap up Hebrews in maybe another two more messages. But uh, So if you have your Bibles, just turn to Hebrews chapter 13, and we'll just pray before we begin. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Lord, for your presence among us. Uh, your word says that we're two or three gather in your name. You are with them. And so, Lord, we know you are here. We can feel your presence. We know that you're speaking to us and you're ministering to us, revealing things to us about yourself, about your word. And we just open ourselves up to receive more from you. We pray that as we look at your word, you would give us revelation. And we also pray, Lord, that you would minister to us. And we pray for just a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit in our lives, in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. 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 So Hebrews uh, chapter 13, we did verses 1 to 4 last week. We're just going to do verses 5 and 6 this week. And so verses 5 and 6 say this. They say, uh, Do not love money. Be satisfied with what you have, for God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? So we looked last week, uh, the first duty of a Christian when you're born again, when you come in uh, to this wonderful relationship with the Lord, is to live a life of love towards other people. And that's to your fellow believer, to the church, uh, to strangers, uh, to remember those in prison, and also to honor your marriage uh, and to love your spouse. And uh, yeah, we looked at that. And then this week, uh, this section is also on living the life of love. But how do we do that? Not in relation to people, but how do we do that in relation to wealth and riches? Because we live in a world that has wealth and has riches. They might be physical, but we have to live in this world. We can't say, well, we don't want anything to do with it. We have to live here, but we have to live in a way that, that uh, shines the love of God into people around us. So they see that we actually handle things a little bit differently to the world around us. And uh, so this second, uh, the second section here is how do Christians relate to worldly possessions? Uh, how does a Christian rightly uh, relate to wealth and riches? That just... That's another word for saying, how do we walk in righteousness? Walking in righteousness just means, how do we walk in the right way, according to God? Not according to how we think, what we think is right and wrong, but someone who walks in righteousness is walking right with God. That's the simple, that's the very simplified version of this. And uh, so how do we do this in relation to riches? Well, the first thing I want to say is this. Money is not evil. And uh, money is not sinful. I think there's, there can be a, a thought in the minds of Christians that the best thing to do with money is to get rid of it because it's bad. Don't have it. Get rid of it. It's evil. You can get tempted by it, so rather don't touch it at all. And in fact, if you look at church history, uh, particularly back in maybe uh, the, the first couple of centuries of the church, 
uh, when all the monks and that were getting established, there was a mindset that the less you owned, the more spiritual you were. And so there was this kind of desire in the church to be poor. And they went through various seasons of that. And uh, they wanted as little material possessions as possible. And yet if you read the Bible carefully, you actually see that that's not the case. Uh, there might be one or two verses that touch on that kind of uh, topic. And you can take those two verses and you can take them out of context. Uh, just how you can take any two verses in the Bible and you can build yourself a theology. I once heard a, a preacher saying, uh, some people when they read the Bible, they just basically open it up to whoever they want, put their finger down and do what it says. And uh, they opened their Bible and the first thing they, they put their finger on was Judas went out and hung himself on a tree. So they thought, oh, that can't be God. And then they opened to another section of the Bible, put their finger down, and it said, and God says, go and do likewise. And they were like, what? <laughs> we can't read the Bible like that. We've got to look at the Bible in its full context and understand what God says uh, across the whole of the Bible um, regarding whatever topic. And riches are one of those topics. And if you look at the Bible, you'll see that there are people like uh, a man called Job, who was an extremely wealthy person, and yet he loved God and he worshipped God. You'll see that Abraham had enormous wealth in his day and age. In fact, even Jesus wasn't poor. There's a misconception to think that Jesus walked around in abject poverty. He never owned a house. He never did this, that, and the next thing. But actually, Jesus wasn't poor. Think about this. Poverty is lack. Poverty is when you need something, you don't have the means to acquire it. Or you need five bucks, but you've only got two bucks. It's got nothing to do with uh, uh, the monetary amount. You could have a million dollars and be poor because you need two million. Okay? Or you could need two dollars and you only have one dollar. That's poverty. That's lack. And when you have ongoing, continuous lack in your life. You are living in poverty. Jesus never did that. He lived in abundance. When Jesus needed something, he had it. And he didn't just have enough for what he needed. He had more than enough. So when he needed to pay the temple tax, he said to Peter, go fishing. And he pulled out a fish. And in the fish's mouth was a coin. And that coin was enough to pay the tax for Jesus and for Peter. That's abundance. He had more than what he needed. At all times, Jesus had that. When he needed to feed 5,000 people, all he needed was five loaves of bread and two fish. He didn't need 2,000 loaves of bread and 800 fish. We would need that, but he didn't. And a miracle took place he fed all those 5,000 people, and then at the end it says they collected 12 basketfuls full of leftovers. That's abundance. So don't ever think Jesus was poor. He wasn't. He lived in abundance. Amen? In fact, if we keep looking at Jesus, there's a very interesting scripture in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 5 and 11 and 12. 
or verse 11 and 12. Revelation chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. It says, Then I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne, and of the living beings and the elders. This is a picture of heaven, the throne of heaven. And they sang in a mighty chorus, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered. That's Jesus. He's the Lamb that was slain. And He is worthy, what? To receive power and riches, wisdom and strength, honor and glory and blessing. So Jesus is worthy to receive riches. Okay? That means riches cannot be bad or evil. I mean, I think logically. If Jesus is not worthy to receive something that's evil. Amen? Has to be. Riches have to be good. And I personally believe that riches is a good gift from God. It is. I mean, if you look in the Bible, surely the Bible teaches us a worker deserves their wages. If you work hard, you will, you will receive Provision and riches. If you're lazy and you don't work, you end up in poverty. That's what the Bible says. And so in Jesus' day, the belief then was that wealthy people were blessed and were living in the will of God. And that's why when Jesus said it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, they were like, well, if that guy can't get in, well, then who can get in? Because that guy is... He's walking with God. He's blessed. That's their mindset, okay? <laughs> the Bible teaches these things. If you're generous, God will supply you with more. Amen. That's what the Bible teaches. And I know, yes, there's been abuse in this area. But because a few people have abused the church and scripture and that kind of thing and have fleeced people for their money for their own personal gain because that's happened we shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater and go well money's evil money's bad look what happened i'm sure we all know of some great man or woman of god who's who's had ministries that have impacted people all over the world only to fall because of money but it's actually not because of money it's because of the love of money. That's the problem. Money is not the problem. <laughs> however little or however much we have. The danger for believers is the love of money. And that's what Hebrews is talking about. It's talking about a life of love. How do we live in love towards people? How do we live in love towards riches? That's what Hebrews is saying. And saying, guard yourself against the love of money. And let me say this. The love of money is something every single one of us needs to guard against. Don't sit here and think, well, because you're unemployed, you don't have a love for money. <laughs> you might have more of a love for money than anyone in this building. It's got nothing to do with what's in your bank. It's a temptation that we are all need to be on our guard against. Amen. You can have money, but don't love it. <laughs> Seek first the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus taught. Love the Lord with all your heart 
So discipline yourself to spend time with the Lord. Spend time in His Word. Spend time worshiping God. That's, that's how we walk out this life of love. Regularly thank God for what you have. I believe that one of the most neglected practices in Christianity is being thankful. Ungratefulness is a terrible sin. And when we think of what God has given us, my goodness, we literally could thank God 24 hours a day. The, the oxygen molecules in the air that you're breathing right now are a free gift from God. Amen. If he didn't give that, that would be it. Gravity. Praise the Lord for gravity. Otherwise, we'd all be floating off. Amen. Your blood doesn't work very well with no gravity. Ask any astronaut. They come back with all sorts of problems because we need it for our bodies. And we could just go on and on and on. Trees, insects, birds. We haven't even got to the things that we normally thank God for. Family, friends, parents. You know, all these things. Everything, every meal you have. It's a gift from God. <laughs> Let's be thankful. Thank God regularly. The Bible says every good gift comes to us from heaven above. Every good gift. Thank God as often as you can. You see, when we're thankful, we're satisfied. You can't, you can't be truly thankful and be unsatisfied. You know, if I, if I go, yeah, thanks guys, thanks for the gift you gave me for my birthday, but I really would have liked this and this. And really, I'm not thankful. <laughs> Amen. Look, never happened to me, but I'm just saying, these things happen to people out there, okay? But if you're truly thankful, even if someone gave you a box of matches or something, I don't know, anything that you, was the last thing on your list, but you say, thank you, you're satisfied with your little present, okay? If we thank God regularly, it's going to guard us from falling into this temptation, because this is the thing that I'm realizing more and more and more. In, if, if you look at Genesis chapter 4, I think it is, God comes to Cain and he says, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to master you. That, that has never changed and it doesn't change when you become a Christian. We kind of have this thing of like, Yes, we've been set free. Sin is no longer our master. But it still desires to master us. And it's always pushing, pushing, pushing. The devil is always trying to take back ground. And if he can, he will. But praise the Lord, Jesus has set us free so that sin is no longer our master. That's why Hebrews is saying, don't love money. You become a slave to whatever you obey. Don't fall in love with money. Be free. Live in the freedom that Jesus has won for you. Guard your heart. If we're thankful, it'll guard us. Hebrews says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. That's what we just read. That's our safeguard against this temptation. Living with satisfaction. As soon as you realize, hey, something's wrong with me. I'm, I'm, I'm not happy with what I've got. Press in on the Lord and say, God, Help me to be thankful. Help me to be content with what I have. Amen. 
When you're satisfied, you won't crave money. Let the treasures of heaven fill your heart. Being rich in God, rich in good works, living in God's love and in God's will. When, when these kind of things fill our lives, actually the stuff of the world just fades into insignificance. It really does. And we can then live like Job, who had everything that opens and shuts, but he loved God because that stuff was more valuable to him. Otherwise, the things of the world fill our lives and actually they're pretty worthless at the end of the day. When God is our portion, our soul has true riches and we're content with whatever we have on earth because God's treasures far outweigh any earthly treasure. Amen? Moth and rust. <laughs> it's quite funny. The Bible says... Moth and rust, they destroy every earthly treasure. <laughs> and if you think about it, that's true. It all's just going to rust away and get eaten in our clothes and whatever. But not heavenly treasure. So let's walk close with God and live in the abundance of His blessings. Nothing wrong with living in the abundance of God's blessings. Let's do that. We need more Job's in the church. Amen. Let's have a look at him. Job chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. There was once a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz. Sounds like a limerick. There once was a man named Job. <laughs> you know, the only limericks I know I couldn't repeat here. But anyway, he was blameless. He was a man of complete integrity. He feared God and he stayed away from evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 5,000 teams of oxen. Team of oxen is eight normally, times 500, sorry, not 5,000, and 500 female donkeys. He also had many servants. He was, in fact, the richest person in that entire area. Imagine that. Imagine the, the richest person in Melbourne loving Jesus. Praise God. We need that. Not that oh, we all need to be poor and church needs to be humble. and That's nonsense. It's not even biblical. It's not even accurate. If Jesus is worthy to receive riches and we co-heirs, guess what? <laughs> Think about it. Oh, no. I'm humble. I'm too humble for that. I need to be poor. Jesus must be rich and I must be nothing. No, you don't understand Scripture then. <laughs> Job was the richest man in that area. Sorry, where were we? And uh, Job's sons and, uh, would take turns preparing feasts in their homes. And they would also invite their three sisters to celebrate with them. When these celebrations ended, sometimes after several days, Job would purify his children. He would get up early in the morning and he would offer a burnt offering for each of them. For Job said to himself, Perhaps my children have sinned and have cursed God in their hearts. See, this was Job's regular practice. He had all this wealth, but what concerned him was his relationship with God and his children's relationship with God. He was the richest man in the area. And in fact, if you just take his animals and you put them in today's prices, they're worth in excess of $50 million dollars let alone the land that he owned and all the other things and whatever business he did to generate income, 
He was a wealthy, wealthy man. See, but he didn't love money. The amount of money is not the issue. He loved God, and he put God first. His main concern was how he stood in his relationship with God and his kids. And his regular practice was to make offerings to the Lord for his family. God was his portion. And when you read the account of Job, all his wealth was taken away from him, and all his wealth was given back, double. But in all of that, he worshipped God. And his friends, I mean, they were probably wealthy people as well, coming along, giving him bad advice. (laughs) But Job, he, he was very concerned about how he stood before the Lord. And that's what Jesus taught, didn't he? Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God. As we go through life, you know, there there are going to be times where we need things. That's part of living life. We, We don't walk in this kind of weird bubble of Christianity. We have real needs, physical needs. We might need a home. We might need a car. We might need friends. We might need wisdom or whatever it is. Um, but let's turn to God because people turn when they're under pressure to all sorts of different things. People turn to alcohol. People turn to food, to shopping, to all kinds of earthly pleasures, trying to fill a void in their life that only God can fill. Let God satisfy our lives. Turn to the Lord. Isaiah 58 verse 11 says this, The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. Sounds like Australia. You'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. God will satisfy all your needs, even in a drought, even when there's lack everywhere around you. When you press in on the Lord and you receive from Him, you receive everything you need. Amen? God has made many promises to us. Let's believe in His Word. Let's put Him first. Let's seek the kingdom and be satisfied in the Lord. And we'll find that all our earthly needs will be met as well. If we go back to Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, it says this. For God has said, I will never fail you, and I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. So I will have no fear. What can people do to me? You see, when the pressure's on, and the, and the pressure was on for these guys, they were struggling. They were, they'd been Christians for a long while. They were struggling with the beginnings of persecution. They were struggling to know Why aren't the things that God's promised, why aren't they happening? We've been trusting God for ages. It looks like things are on the decline. But when you feel like that, don't don't chase after anything else but God. Press in on the Lord and let Him satisfy you. You know, when you sometimes when the pressure is on, we chase money because we think it's going to solve the issue. When we're feeling down or whatever, we're We want more money so we can spend more, so we can get happiness. (laughs) 
when we're fearful, we're worried about the future, we're wanting to get ourselves set up, don't, don't chase money. Press in on the Lord because he said, I will never fail you. I'll never abandon you. It's a promise we can stand on. God will never disappoint us. If we put our trust in him, if we put our trust in his word, he will never disappoint us. Amen? So now, free from the love of money, because that's what we are. We are free. We're free from it. And content with what we have, we hold fast to God and we serve him with joy. Amen? See, that's the life of the Christian as we press in on the Lord when we enter the throne room of God and we spend time with God getting to know who He is, we can live like that. We're able to live in a world that has real needs and even in our daily lives, we're able to live with a reality of we have need. But God supplies. We don't need to be lured away into temptation through the love of money. You see, this is something which we need to give careful attention to because it's a temptation that is only going to increase and we're all susceptible to it. 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 to 2 says, But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. They will be lovers of money. They'll be boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, treacherous, rash, conceited, and lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Lovers of self, lovers of money, and lovers of pleasure. That is only going to increase as we get closer and closer to the end. And so as Christians, there's this warning, or you can take it as an encouragement to go, don't don't allow yourselves to fall into this trap. See, we've been freed from slavery to sin. Amen? But don't submit again, Galatians says, to a yoke of slavery. Because guess what? The devil would love that. He's not just going, oh, you've been free from slavery to sin. I'll leave you alone. He wants to enslave you again. So he's going to try. And if we give in to the love of money, it'll happen. But we are truly free to choose not to love money. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. eh? The Bible says, for whom the Son sets free is free indeed. We are truly, truly free to choose. Let's choose God. Amen. Let's seek first His kingdom. Let's press in on the Lord. Let's be thankful for whatever we have. If we have lots, be thankful for the Lord. To the Lord. If we have little, be thankful. Because when we've got Jesus, we've got everything, really. <laughs> Amen. But let's let's press in on God. Let's keep our eyes on Him and let's be thankful and live satisfied lives, free from this, and help others to be free from the love of money. Because it's a terrible trap uh, to be in bondage to. And uh, let's let's close in prayer. Let I really hope God is, you know been speaking to us this morning. Maybe he's highlighted a few things. Maybe this is a very real thing that you're struggling with this morning. You do have uh, a real craving for more money, more things. 
and the Lord can set you free this morning. So, Father, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time where we've been able just to uh, come before your throne, look at these scriptures, and have you speak into our lives. Lord, I pray that this morning you would free us from the love of money. I pray for victory in this area. Anyone who is struggling uh, with a love for money, a craving for more things, a craving for money, set them free right now in the name of Jesus. I pray that you would break chains. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. There's power in the blood of Jesus to break every chain. And Lord, we pray that chains would break this morning. We pray there'd be a renewed freedom to be satisfied, to live content lives, to love you. And Lord, we pray for, for more people to, to be released into, into huge inheritances like Job. I pray for more Christians like that. Lord, you, you can do amazing things through release of finances. And it's a, it's a needed thing. Paul went around collecting a collection of money for the church in Jerusalem. Not just fresh air or prayer requests or whatever, but actual physical money. Lord, money can be used to advance your kingdom. And so we pray for a release of riches in the church. And we pray that it would be used for your glory, for the advancement of your kingdom. Lord, we pray that we can live a life that shines the love of Jesus to the world around us. And even though there's difficult times at the moment, let people look to us and go, there's something different about you. And we can say it's because we trust in the Lord Jesus. He is our source. He is our provider. He's the one we worship. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the New Gen Sermon Podcast. 